0: CHAPTER 43 OF THE ROOTS OF THE MOUNTAINS BY WILLIAM MORRIS This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. FACE OF GOD looketh ON SILVERDALE THE BOWMAN'S BATTLE There then they rested, as folk wearied with the toilsome journey, when they had set sure watches round about their campment, and they ate quietly what meat they had with them, and so gat them to sleep in the wood on the eve of battle. But not all slept, for the two captains went about amongst the companies, folk might to the east, face of God to the west, to look to the watches and to see that all was ordered duly. Also, the sunbeam slept not, but she lay beside Bome, at the foot of an oak tree. She watched face of God as he went away amidst the men of the host, and watched and waked, abiding his returning footsteps. The night was well worn by then he came back to his place in the vanward, and on his way back he passed through the folk of the steer, laid along the grass, all save those of the watch, and the light of the moon high aloft was mingled with the light of the earliest dawn. And as it happed he looked down, and lo, close to his feet, the face of the bride as she lay beside her grandsire, her head pillowed on a bundle of bracken, She was sleeping soundly like a child who has been playing all day, and whose sleep has come to him unsought and happily. Her hands were laid together by her side, her cheek was as fair and clear as it was wont to be at her best. Her face looked calm and happy, and a lock of her dark red hair strayed from her uncovered head over her breast, and lay across her wrists, so peacefully she slept. Face of God turned his eyes from her at once, and went by swiftly, and came to his own company. The sunbeam saw him coming, and rose straightway to her feet from beside Bowmay, who lay fast asleep. And she held out her hands to him, and he took them and kissed them, and he cast his arms about her, and kissed her mouth and her face, and she his in likewise. And she said, O oh, goldmane, if this were but the morrow of to-morrow, yet shall all be well. Shall it not? Her voice was low, but it waked Bome, who sat up at once, broad awake, after the manner of a hunter of the waste, ever ready for the next thing to be tied. And moreover, the sunbeam had been in her thoughts these two days, and she feared for her, lest she should be slain or maimed. Now she smiled on the sunbeam, and said, What is it? Dost thy mind forbode evil? That needeth not. I tell thee, "'It is not so ill for us of the sword to be in Silverdale. "'Thrice have I been here since the overthrow, "'and never more than a half-score in company, "'and yet am I whole to-day.' "'Yea, sister,' said Face of God, "'but in past times ye did your deed and then fled away, "'but now we come to abide here, "'and this night is the last of lurking.' "'Ah,' she said, "'a little way from this I saw such things that we had good will to abide here longer, "'few as we were.' but that we feared to be taken alive. What things were these? said Face of God. Nay, she said, I will not tell thee now, but mayhap in the lighted winter feast-hall, when the kindred are so nigh us and about us, that they seem to us as if they were all the world, I may tell it thee, and mayhap I never shall. Said Sunbeam, smiling, Thou wilt ever be talking, May Now let the war-leader depart, for he will have much to do and she was well at ease that she had seen face of God again. But he said, Nay, not so much. All is well nigh done. In an hour it will be broad day, and two hours thereafter shall the banner be displayed on the edge of Silverdale. The cheek of the sunbeam flushed and paled again, as she said, Yea, we shall stand even as our fathers stood on the day when, coming from off the waste, they beheld it, and knew it would be theirs. Ah, me! "'How I have longed for this morn! "'But now, tell me, Goldmain, "'Dost thou deem that I am afraid? "'And I whom thou hast deemed to be a god?' "'Quoth bow may "'Thou shalt deem her twice a god ere noontide, "'Brother Goldmain. "'But come now, "'The hour of deadly battle is at hand, "'and we may not laugh that away. "'And therefore I bid thee remember, Goldmain, "'How thou didst promise to kiss me once more "'On the verge of deadly battle.' "'Therewith she stood up before him, and he tarried not, but kind and smiling, took her face between his two hands, and kissed her lips. And she cast her arms about him, and kissed him, and then sank down on the grass again, and turned from him, and laid her face amongst the grass and the bracken, and they could see that she was weeping, and her body was shaken with sobs. But the sunbeam knelt down to her, and caressed her with her hand, and spake kind words to her softly, while face of God went his ways to meet folk might. Now was the dawn fading into full daylight, and between dawn and sunrise were all men stirring, for the watch had waked the hundred leaders, and they the leaders of scores and half-scores, and they the whole folk, and they sat quietly in the wood and made no noise. In the night the watch of the sickle had fallen in with a thrall who had stolen up from the dale to set gins for hares, and now, in the early morning, they brought him to the war-leader. He was even such a man as those with whom face of God had fallen in before, neither better nor worse than most of them. He was sore afraid at first, but by then he was come to the captains, he understood that he had happened upon friends. But he was dull of comprehension and slow of speech, albeit folk might gathered from him that the dusky men had some inkling of the onslaught, for he said, that they had been gathering together in the market-place of Silverstead, and would do so again soon. Moreover, the captains deemed from his speech that those new tribes had come to hand sooner than was looked for, and were even now in the dale. Folk might smile as one who is not best pleased when he heard these tidings, but face of God was glad to hear thereof, for what he loathed most was that the war should drag out in hunting of scattered bands of the foe, Herewith came Dalek to them as they talked, for face of God had sent for him, and he fell to questioning the man further, by whose answers it seemed that many men had come into the dale from Rosedale, so that they of the kindreds were like to have their hands full. Lastly Dalach drew from the thrall, that it was on that very morning that the great folk-mote of the dusky men should be holden in the market-place of the stead, which was right great, and about it were the biggest of the houses wherein the men of the kindred had once dwelt. So when they had made an end of questioning the thrall, and had given him meat and drink, they asked him if he would take weapons in his hand, and lead them on the ways into the dale, bidding him to look about the wood, and note how great and mighty an host they were. And the Karl yea said this, after staring about him a while, and they gave him spear and shield, and he went with the vanward as a way-leader. Again presently came a watch of the shepherds, and they had found a man and a woman dead and stark naked hanging to the boughs of a great oak-tree deep in the wood. This men knew for some vengeance of the dusky men, for it was clear to see that these poor people had been sorely tormented before they were slain. Also the same watch had stumbled on the dead body of an old woman, clad in rags, lying amongst the rank grass about a little flow. She was exceeding lean and hunger-starved, and in her hand was a frog, which he had half eaten. And Dallach, when he heard of this, said that it was the want of the dusky men to slay their thralls when they were past work, or to drive them into the wilderness to die. Lastly came a watch from the men of the face, having with them two more thralls, lusty young men, these they had come upon in company of their master, who had brought them up into the wood to shoot him a book, and therefore they bare bows and arrows. The watch had slain the master straightway, while the thralls stood looking on. They were much afraid of the weaponed men, but answered to the questioning much readier than the first man, for they were household thralls, and better fed and clad than he, who was but a toiler in the fields. They yea said all his tale, and said, moreover, that the folk-mote of the dusky men should be holden in the market-place that forenoon, and that most of the warriors should be there, both the newcomers and the Rosedale lords and that without doubt they should be under arms. To these men also they gave a good sword and a helm each, and bade them be brisk with their bows, and they said yea to marching with the host, and indeed they feared nothing so much as being left behind, for if they fell into the hands of the dusky men, and their master missing, they should first be questioned with torments, and then slain in the evilest manner. Now whereas things had thus betid, and that they knew thus much of their foemen. Face of God called all the chieftains together, and they sat on the green grass and held council amongst them, and to one and all it seemed good that they should suffer the dusky men, to gather together before they meddled with them, and then fall upon them in such order and such time, as should seem good to the captains, watching how things went, and this would be easy, whereas they were all lying in the wood in the same order as they would stand in battle array, if they were all drawn up together on the brow of a hill. Albeit face of God deemed it good, after he had heard all that they who had been in the stead could tell him thereof, that the shepherd-folk, who were more than three long hundreds, and they of the steer, the bridge, and the bull, four hundreds in all, should take their places eastward of the woodlanders who had led the vanward. Straightway the word was borne to these men, and the shift was made, so that presently the woodlanders were amidmost of the host, and had with them on their right hands the men of the steer, the bridge, and the bull, and beyond them the shepherd-folk. But on their left hand lay the men of the vine, then they of the sickle, and lastly the men of the face, and these three kindreds were over five hundreds of warriors. As for the men of the wolf... They abode at first with those companies which they had led through the wastes, though this was changed afterwards. All this being done, Face of God gave out that all men should break their fast in peace and leisure, and while men were at their meat, folk might spake to Face of God and said, Come, brother, for I would show thee a goodly thing, and thou, dallach come with us. Then he brought them by paths in the wood, till face of God saw the sky shine white between the tree boles, and in a little while they were come well nigh out of the thicket, and then they went warily, for before them was naught but the slopes of Wooddale, going down steeply into Silverdale, with naught to hinder the sight of it, save here and there, bushes or scattered trees. And so fair and lovely it was, that face of God could scarce forbear to cry out, He saw that it was only at the upper or eastern end, where the mountains of the Waste went round about it, that the dale was narrow. It soon widened out toward the west, and for the most part was encompassed by no such straight-sided a wall as was Burgdale, but by sloping hills and bents, mostly indeed somewhat higher and steeper than the pass wherein they were, but such as men could well climb if they had a mind to, and there were any end to their journey.' The dale went due west a good way, and then winded about to the south-west, and so was hidden from them thereaway by the bents that lay on their left hand. As it was wider, so it was not so plain a ground as was Burgdale, but rose in knolls and little hills here and there. A river greater than the weltering water wound about amongst the said mounds, and along the side of it, out in the open dale, were many goodly houses and homesteads of stone, The knolls were mostly covered over with vines, and there were goodly and great trees in groves and clumps, chiefly oak and sweet chestnut and linden. Many were the orchards, now in blossom about the homesteads. The pastures of the neat and horses spread out bright green up from the waterside, and deeper green showed the acres of the wheat on the lower slopes of the knolls, and in wide fields away from the river. Just below the pitch of the hill whereon they were lay Silverstead, the town of the dale. Hitherto it had been an unfenced place, but folk might pointed to where on the western side a new white wall was rising, and on which, young as the day yet was, men were busy laying the stones and spreading the mortar. Fair seemed that town to face of God. The houses were all builded of stone, and some of the biggest were roofed with lead, which also, as well as silver, was dug out of the mountains at the eastern end of the dale. The market-place was clear to see from where they stood, though there were houses on all sides of it, so wide it was. From their standing-place it was but three furlongs to this heart of Silverdale, and face of God could see brightly-clad men moving about in it already. High above their heads he beheld two great clots of scarlet and yellow, raised on poles, and pitched in front of a great stone-built hall, roofed with lead, which stood amidmost of the west end of the place and betwixt those poles he saw on a mound with long slopes at its sides somewhat of white stone and amidmost of the whole place a great stack of faggot wood built up four square those red and yellow things on the poles he deemed would be the banners of the murder carls and folk might told him that even so it was and that they were but big bunches of strips of woolen cloth much like to great rag mops save that the rags were larger and longer. No other token of war, said folk might did those folk carry, save a crook-bladed sword, smeared with man's blood, and bigger than any man might wield in battle. Art thou far-seeing, war-leader, quoth he? What canst thou see in the market-place? Said face of God, far-seeing am I above most men, and I see in the place a man in scarlet standing by the banner, which is pitched in front of the great stone-hall, near to the mound with the white stone on it, and meseemeth he beareth a great horn in his hand. Said folk might, Yea, and that stone-hall was our moat-house when we were lords of the dale, and thence it was that they who are now thralls of the dusky men sent to them their message and token of yielding. And as for that white stone, it is the altar of their God, for they have but one, and he is that same crook bladed sword. And now that I look, I see a great stack of wood amidmost the market-place, and well I know what that betokeneth. Lo, you, said face of God, the man with the horn is gone up on to the altar-mound, and me seemeth he is setting the little end of the horn to his mouth. Hearken, then, said Folkmight, and in a moment came the hoarse tuneless sound of the horn down the wind towards them, and Folkmight said, I deem I should know what that blast meaneth, and now is it time that the host drew nigher to set them in array behind these very trees. But if ye will, war-leader, we will abide here and watch the ways of the foemen, and send Dalek with the word to the host. Also, I would have thee suffer me to bid hither at once two score and ten of the best of the bowmen of our folk and the woodlanders, and woodwise to lead them, for he knoweth well the land hereabout, and what is good to do. It is good, said face of God, be speedy, Dalek. So Dalek departed, running lightly, and the two chiefs abode there, and the horn in Silverstead blew at Wiles for a little, and then stayed. And might said, Lo you, they come flock meal to the moatstead, the place will be filled ere long. Said face of God, will they make offerings to their God at the hallowing inn of their folk moat? Where then are the slaughter beasts? This shall not long be lacking, said might, see you. "'tis getting thronged about the altar and the moat-house. "'Now there were four ways into the market-place of Silverstead, "'turned toward the Four Aerts, "'and the midmost of the kindred's battle "'looked right down the southern one, "'which went up to the wood, "'but stopped there in a mere woodland path, "'and the more part of the town lay north and west of this way, "'albeit there was a way from the east also. "'But the hillside just below the two captains,' lay two furlongs west of this southern way, and it went down softly till it was gotten quite near to the backs of the houses on the south side of the market-place, and was sprinkled scantly with bushes and trees as aforesaid. But at last were there more bushes, which well nigh made a hedge across it, reaching from the side of the southern way, and a foot or two beyond these bushes, the ground fell by a steep and broken bent down to the level of the market-place, and betwixt that fringe of bushes and the backs of the houses on the south side of the place, was less, it may be, than a full furlong. But the southern road aforesaid went down softly into the market-place, since it had been fashioned so by men. Now the two chiefs heard a loud blast of horns come up from the town, and, lo, a great crowd of men wending their ways down the road from the north, and they came into the market-place with spears and other weapons tossing in the air, and amidst of these men, who seemed to be all of the warriors, they saw as they drew nigher some two score and ten of men clad in long raiment of yellow and scarlet, with tall spiring hats of strange fashion on their heads, and in their hands long staves with great blades like scythes done on to them, and again in the midst of these yellow and red glaive-bearers in the very heart of the throng, were some score of naked folk. They deemed both men and women, but were not sure, so close was the throng, nor could they see if they were utterly naked. Lo you, brother, quoth folk might, said I not that the beasts for the hewing should not tarry? Yonder naked folk are even they, and ye may well deem that they are the thralls of the dusky men, and beseemeth by the whiteness of the skins they be of the best of them, For these felons it is like look to winning great plenty of thralls in Burgdale, and so set the less store on them they have, and may expend them freely. As he spake they heard the sound of men marching into the wood behind them, and they turned about and saw that there was come woodwise, and with him upwards of two score and ten of the bowmen of the woodlanders and the wolf, huntsmen, cragsmen, and scourers of the waste, men who could shoot the chaffinch on the twig a hundred yards aloof, who could make a hiding-place of the bennets of the wayside grass, or the stem of the slender birch-tree. With these must needs be Bomey, who was the closest tutor of all the kindreds. So then Woodwise told the war-leader that dallach had given the word to the host, and that all men were astir, and would be there presently in their ordered companies, and face of God spake to folk-might, and said, "'Chief of the wolf, "'wilt thou not give command to these bowmen, "'and set them to work, "'for thou wottest thereof?' "'Yea, that will I,' said might, "'and turned to Woodwise, and said, "'Woodwise, get ye down the slope, "'and loose on these felons who have a murder on hand, "'if so be ye have a chance to do it wisely. "'But in any case, come ye all back, "'for all shall be needed yet to-day. "'So flee if they pursue, "'for ye shall have us to flee to. "'Now be ye wary,' nor let the curse of the wolf and the face lie on your slothfulness. Woodwise did but nod his head and lift his hand to his fellows, who set off after him down the slope without more tarrying. They went very warily, as if they were hunting a quarry which would flee from them, and they crept amongst the grass and stones from bush to bush like serpents, and so, unseen by the dusky men, who indeed were busied over their own matters, they came to the fringe of bushes above the broken ground aforesaid, and there they took their stand, and before them below those steep banks was but the space at the back of the houses. As to the houses, as aforesaid, they were not so high as elsewhere about the marketplace, and at the end of a long low hall there was a gap between its gable and the next house, whereby they had a clear sight of the place about the God's altar and the banners and the great hall of Silverdale, with the double stair that went up to the door thereof. There then they made them ready, and woodwise set men to watch, that none should come sidelong on them unawares. Their bows were bent, and their quivers open, and they were eager for the fray. Thus they beheld the market-place from their cover, and saw that those folk who were to be hewn to the God, were now standing facing the altar in a half-ring, and behind them in another half-ring, The glaive-bearers who had brought them thither stood glaive in hand, ready to hew them down when the token should be given, and these were indeed the priests of the god. There was clear space round about these poor slaughter-thralls, so that the bowmen could see them well, and they told up a score of them, half men, half women, and they were all stark naked, save for wreaths of flowers about their middles and their necks and they had shackles of lead about their wrists, which same lead should be taken out of the fire wherein they should be burned, and from the shape it should take after it had passed through the fire would the priests foretell the luck of the deed to be done. It was clear to be seen from thence that Folkmight was right when he said that these slaughter-thralls were of the best of the house-thralls and bedmates of the dusky men, and that these felons were open-handed to their god, and would not cheat him or withhold from him the best and most delicate of all they had. Now spake woodwise to those about him. It is sure that the Fort might would have us give these poor thralls a chance, and that we must loose upon the felons who would hew them down. And if we are to come back again, we can go no nigher. What sayest thou, Bormay? Is it nigh enough? Can aught be done? Yea, yea, she said. Nigh enough it is. But let Goldring be with me, and half a score of the very best, whether they be of our folk or the woodlanders, men who cannot miss such a mark, and when we have loosed, then let all loose, and stay not till our shot be spent. Haste, now haste, time presseth, for if the host showeth on the brow of the hill, these felons will hew down their slaughter-beasts before they turn on their foemen. Let the grey goose-wing speed trouble and confusion amongst them. But ere she had done her words, Woodwise had got to speaking quietly with the woodlanders, and Bearsbane, who was amidst them, chose out eight of the best of his folk, men who doubted nothing of hitting whatever they could see in the market-place, and they took their stand for shooting, and with them, besides may were two women and four men of the wolf, and Goldring withal, Karl of fifty winters, long, lean, and wiry, a fell-shooter, if ever any one were. So all these notched their shafts, and laid them on the yew, and each had between the two last fingers of the shaft-hand another shaft ready, and a half-score more stuck into the ground before him. Now giveth Woodwise the word to these sixteen, as to which of the felons with the glaives they shall each one aim at. And he saith withal in a soft voice, Help cometh from the hill, soon shall battle be joined in Silverdale. Thus stand they watching Bome and Goldring, till they draw home the notches, and amidst their waiting the glaive-bearing felons fall a-singing a harsh and ugly hymn to their crooked sword-god, and the market-stead is thronged endlong and overthwart with the tribes of the dusky men. There now standeth Bome, far-sighted and keen-eyed, her face as pale as a linen sleeve, an awful smile on her glittering eyes and close-set lips, and she, feeling the twisted string of the red yew and the polished sides of the notch, while the yelling song of the dusky priests quavers now and ends with a wild shrill cry, and she noteth the midmost of the priests, beginning to handle his weapon, then swift and steady she draweth home the notches, while the ewe standeth still as the oak-bowl ere the summer-storm ariseth, and the twang of the sixteen strings maketh but one fell sound, as the feathered bane of men goeth on its way. There was silence for a moment of time in the market of Silverstead, as if the bolt of the gods had fallen there, and then arose a huge wordless yell from those about the altar, "'and one of the priests who was left "'hove up his glaive two-handed "'to smite the naked slaughter-thralls. "'But, or ever the stroke fell, "'Bome's second shaft was through his throat, "'and he rolled over amidst his dead fellows. "'And the other fifteen had loosed with her, "'and then, even as they could, "'Woodwise and the others of their company, "'and all they notched and loosed without tarrying, "'and no shout, no word came from their lips.' only the twanging strings spake for them, for they deemed the minutes that hurried by were worth much joy of their lives to be, and few indeed were the passing minutes, ere the dead men lay in heaps about the altar of the crooked sword, and the wounded men wallowed amidst them. End of chapter 43